In today's episode, SLP Stress Management for the festive season, I have the joy of interviewing the one and only Jesse Andrix, MSCCC SLP and host of the SLP Stress Management Podcast. So this is a podcast crossover, baby. And in today's episode, we tackle functional strategies to address all of those all of those scary places in your life right now. I get it. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of utter exhaustion because we are still in a pandemic. We are still doing therapy, some face-to-face, some virtually, and we're still attempting a variation of hybrid schooling, homeschooling. Do I send my children to school? What's going on? And trying to manage self-care. So join us for this amazing hour where the ever, ever present and ever calm Jesse guides us through with some joyful strategies. And everybody, we're off next week. So happy early Thanksgiving. All right, y'all. It's almost that time of year again. Turkeys, trimmings, gravies, candles, lots of candles, trees, gifts, and the lovely extra holiday 15 pounds for some killer stretchy leggings for the incoming carb-based diet that I personally plan to consume over the next six weeks. Huzzah! I guess, but like only like slightly because like that's really going to happen. I mean, hopefully not all 15. (laughs) Okay, so in the mix of all that we've been through this year, the holidays in 2020 will probably be unlike any other. And for a lot of us out there, there will be stress because like, let's seriously, let's pick a struggle. One, tight finances because we haven't been able to work regularly or reliably. Two, inability to travel and see our loved ones because of travel bans. Three, inability to visit our loved ones due to health restrictions, maybe for them, maybe for yourself, maybe for your child. Four, the stress of trying to schedule patients in the middle of the pandemic with ever-changing school schedules and now the upcoming holiday schedule. And five, I'm just going to say this because for some of us, like my very large combustible family, um, the recent election and the stress of the results, which at least, I mean, my family, we're loud. We love each other, but we're loud. Um, It is going to make for some colorful language, red cheeks, and some interesting extended conversations to be held in the not-so-distant future family gatherings between corn pudding and um, the best collard greens um, known to mankind. So, yeah, we got that. Stress. And stress can do some terrible things to a body, especially when that body is an SLP who needs to use their mindful self their full therapeutic presence to see positive outcomes happen with their patients. So where, oh, where does that leave us? Well, today I have a beautiful solution. Technically, it's Ms. Jessie Andrix, and she has the beautiful solutions. And it is the one and only Ms. Jessie Andrix with the SLP Stress Management Podcast. And I am so happy that you are here, Jessie. So welcome to First Fight Lady, and yay! (laughs) Thank you so much for having me today. I am really excited to be here and to talk all things holiday and mindfulness. And just like you said, there is a lot of things that 
especially this year, that can be, you know, triggering stress and adding to the stress that as SLPs, we normally feel anyway. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting holiday season for all of us, for sure. Yes. But, um, I, I am. (laughs) Okay. So every month we've been like joking about the new Jumanji board Mm -hmm. and I, I am pleased to say September did not include the super volcano because that's what I (laughs) So we don't have that stress, but I did see somewhere and I'm sure it was Photoshop that, um, I think it was, uh, it was hurricane S whichever the hurricane was that had the S letter. Sammy. No, that's my niece. Um, Oh, Lord, it just hit whatever. There was like um, a a fishnet caught with an actual shark that was like hanging because of like where it came in. And I was like, and they were like, whoever picked um, sharks hanging from light poles for Jumanji, you won. (laughs) Right? I saw that. I just like, I saw that too. And it was one of those things like, I don't know if I should be looking up if this is real or not, because I normally would be like, this isn't real. And now I'm just not sure. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's when you bust out the verify fact checkers. (laughs) Like, yep. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. All right. So you've been rather busy. And before we go into this, you did something really cool where you were, you set up like weekly stress management, um, like classes and courses. Cause I got weekly email inspirational emails. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? That just, you just held. Yes. So, you know, I, I am an SLP. And then I also went through, because of stress, I took a big break from being an SLP and thought that it was the wrong career choice and had this like big um, quarter life crisis really about it. <laughs> but, you know, but it happens. And um, it was really due to stress. It was not the wrong career. It was just not knowing how to manage stress. And so I ended up training in yoga and coaching and mindfulness and all of these things that now as an SLP put together to help myself, but to help other SLPs, because Mm -hmm. I don't want anyone else to have, you know, whatever we want to call it, burnout, quarter life crisis, just chronic stress, feeling like it's the wrong choice, the wrong career, needing to quit, whatever it might be. Um, Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways that I've started, you know, working with everyone is to put together this course called SLP stress management, because that's just the easiest thing to remember. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's what it is. Um, but yeah, it's, I run it a few times a year as a like live group where, um, it's a course that you go through each week, you get videos and workbook and these kind of emails that help walk you through what you'll be talking about or learning about. And it really starts as a foundation of here's what stress is, here's why it's not your fault, and here's what might be triggering it for you and what's going on, why it's happening. And then it starts to build into what stress management is, the tools you can use, and then how to actually make this happen in your life and in your day and the way that you need it to be. And we have some live um, calls that people can participate in or listen to after. Um, And then we also have a self-paced version. Like if you're like, that's cool, but I don't want all of the the weekly stuff. I just need it when I need it. There's also a self-paced version of it that you can just kind of do on your own and, you know, go through it as you need to. So it's there to help 
all, you know, SLPs and, and all of us that are dealing with not only the stress that we're feeling in this year, but the stress that we felt in, you know, 2010, 2012, 20, you know, 2019, all of the stress that we've just been feeling for a really long <laughs> time in our field. And then this year happened and just added to it all. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm only laughing because um, you say, you say 2010 and I was like, dude, that was a great year. The year <laughs> Christian and I eloped. 2009, not such a great year, but I mean, I did get divorced and then quickly fell back in love and got remarried and like, you know, life, but like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what is the thing that Britney circa 2010, isn't that a thing? Or Britney circa 2009, that picture where she shaves her head. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's like the one pop media reference I know. Yes. I'm culturally <laughs> relevant. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So, but y'all, I would highly recommend checking it out because it is, um, it is great advice and the self pacing piece helps. Yes. Okay. All right. So um, let's take it from the top then. Dun, dun, dun. Um, after I make a Britney joke. God help us all. <laughs> okay. So um, what is mindfulness and how can we use to channel it to help manage stress? Yeah. Especially for us. <laughs> right. Especially yeah. for us. For SLPs. Especially for the SLPs in your life. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things that Sometimes we think of mindfulness as being something that's really trendy in the last few years and as something that is almost like, you know, um, like when we hear self-care or we hear, you know, just kind of those type of things, we think of like, oh, yeah, 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 that's the thing everyone's into right now. Um, But mindfulness has been around for a long time. And the reason that it's kind of gotten trendy now or more mainstream is because they've started studying it more. Because people have always been like, hey, when I do these mindfulness practices and I'm going through this, I feel really good. This is good for us. And then people were like, okay, but like, what is actually happening with our body and our brain? And why are we feeling so good when we use mindfulness in our life? So that's kind of why it's popular. And all it really is, is taking different types of practices, whether it's meditation or journaling or going and walking outside or yoga or, you know, whatever really just helps you to check in with yourself and to notice what's there. So I always like to think of um, mindfulness as tuning in to how you're doing and also tuning into the world around you and what's going on in that moment. So being present not only to yourself, but also to what's happening around you. And, um, you know, I used to live in Charleston, South Carolina, which is probably one of the most beautiful places in the world. Yes, <laughs> and, yes, very much so. Right? It's, it's, I know you're not far from there. It's just this amazing, and if, if, if you're listening and you've never been there, when you are allowed to travel again and you can go places freely, it's just a wonderful, no. beautiful place to go. But yeah. one of the things to be careful there is the cobblestone sidewalks. And I always think of mindfulness I always like have this image in my head of springtime in Charleston because there 
there are these beautiful flowers there that just smell lovely. But there's also cobblestone sidewalks. So if you walk on the sidewalks and you're downtown and you're being mindful, but you're only being mindful and checking in with yourself and the lovely time you're having and how wonderful you feel, you're going to trip on those sidewalks and you're going to fall flat on your face. But if you only pay attention to the sidewalk and you're only paying attention to what's going on you know, with your feet and where you're going and you're, you're only focused on that, you're going to miss the beauty of everything else around you. And you're also going to miss what's going on within you and how you're experiencing that. So that's what I always think of as mindfulness is noticing what's going on, where you're at, but then also what's going on within you. And any moment can be made mindful if you're checking in with yourself on that. And so since anything can be made more mindful, that's how we can use it to help manage our stress. We can check in with like what is actually going on with us and how we're feeling, even if it's really uncomfortable and we're not, you know, happy with how we're feeling and we wish that we could be feeling a different way or that circumstances were different. We can check in with ourselves and see, okay, how am I feeling? What is something that I need in this moment or I need to start doing that can help me with this stress? And as SLPs, with everything that we experience right now in our lives and and maybe the changes of like, you know, being able to work from home or having to work from home now and not really knowing how that's going to be or not knowing what your school year is even going to look like for either your students or yourself or your kids or you know, if you're working in home health, like, is that even possible at times now and and figuring out schedules, just everything being so uncertain. And then also the other things like the caseloads, the productivity, the paperwork, all those things that we were already really stressed out about. This can really help us to check in and say, okay, how am I doing right now? You know, do I need a moment of quiet because it's just been a very noisy day, either in our mind or like, you know, we talk, right? That's our job. We talk, we help other people talk. So sometimes we need a moment of quiet or we need time to write about our day and write about that stressful moment or to remember some things that were actually good about our day and not just the things that were really challenging because we tend to be perfectionists as SLPs. I, (laughs) I don't know if that's like, you know, why we get into the field or if the field turns us into that but it's so then we you know we're like what are the things that didn't work and how can I make how can I fix these we forget about the things that actually like did go well Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know I I lay awake at night when I can't sleep and I focus on my failures because that's because I seriously think in order to get into grad school to be a speech pathologist, there's a secondary prerequisite for having a baseline anxiety disorder and a third requirement, tertiary requirement, do you have a um, uh, OCD complex to some extent? And, yeah. I'm, and I, I don't, I mean, part of me is saying that in jest and part of me is like, no, but like seriously, because every single person. Every single SLP that I've met that I've had a candid conversation with, we all have some light type of anxiety disorder, whether it be social anxiety or, I mean, that's, that's mine. I'm really, I am great on a podcast. You put me in a small group and I just start word vomiting and drop the F bomb. (laughs) I'm right there with you. (laughs) 
I get so nervous. And then I'm like, oh my God, this is not professional. Just put me back on the front porch now. <laughs> like, I'm comfortable there. But around the fire pit, everything's grand, right? But um, yes, but like really truthfully, also your analogy for walking on cobblestones, all I can see are the lovely bachelorette parties on Saturday nights <laughs> when the girls go to Charleston. And they're, and you know, because they're all in black and then they have the bride in a white dress and they're trying mm-hmm. to meander down the cobblestone streets. They are not mindful. And if they are, it has oh. been diluted. <laughs> no, it's like, true. It's true. I yes. lived there. I lived there in my early 20s. It's where I went to grad school. And then it's where we lived when I got married and all my friends are getting married. So, yes, mm-hmm. it's yep. not mindful. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's not. Okay. So, this is, this is important for... Um, SLPs to be new SLPs, SLPs that are going through career changes all the way up. Um, and, and I told Jesse right before I hit the record button, y'all, our, our own university program has um, embedded mindfulness activities into our course syllabi for every single class. Because as much as I joke that we all have some level of anxiety, we're really seeing it and i don't know if that's just a generational component or if that's even in the middle of a pandemic if that's something to do with the pace that our nation's keeping right now mm-hmm. and i i think it's probably both um probably all three and uh so i assigned some of jesse's episodes to coincide for my students with midterm and final exams because i wanted them to have a moment of mindfulness and and to have the functional strategies because stress is hard but physically checking in with ourselves and that and you said something about like asking yourself the question what do i need this moment and what did I do today? Like my interpretation is like, what did I do today to make myself happy? Mm-hmm. And and we do that as a pack. Sorry, we call ourselves Pack Dawson, like my husband, myself, the kids and the dogs. And so before bed every night, we always start with, okay, what was your low point? And then what was your high point? That way we're ending on a high. So that way when I tuck my babies into bed at night, yeah, they may have had a low point, like maybe – Somebody took their favorite pencil and they were upset because they didn't get the purple sparkly one. That was a recent issue for Bear. But like, you know, then they had a high point that, you know, they answered the question right or um, uh, they got to be the um, they got to be the end of the line. That's like the coveted position for second graders, by the way, mm-hmm. like the end of the line. It means that you're trustworthy. And I'm like, mm, I was always at the front. What does that mean? <laughs> But yes, but that I love that strategy. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's, like- that's great though. And you know, there's actually in like in the field of positive psychology, which is like the part of psychology that instead of focusing on what went wrong in my past and how is that causing things to happen now and what do I need to fix? It's more of what's working for you and what's going I like well. That. Yeah, and I, I I love it, and it's where a lot of like the the true mindfulness and stress management techniques kind of come into play there. But one of the things is to end like if you end your day or you end your work day or kind of whatever you know if there's a big event that's happening in your day, but if you end it on a positive, like a positive note or a high note, or even just remember a high note that happened, you're gonna think of the entire experience as being more positive. 
Mm-hmm. So like doing that with, with your kids is such a great tool for managing stress because, you know, and, and your kids are probably not even knowing that that's what's happening. But when you think about like, you know, you're not ignoring the things that didn't work, but you're shifting the focus at the end to, okay, that happened, but also this wonderful thing happened. And so then if that's how they end their day, when they think about their entire day, that's going to be the thing that sticks with them is that final piece of this really went well today. And I was, you know, had this great moment and this really worked for me. So the entire day can feel more positive, even though some not so great things might've happened too. So that's awesome. I know. I it's um honestly we've worked on being present because I um because mommy has a propensity to put more on her plate than is necessary or healthy. So trying to say and focus on I need to be present in this moment has helped me um be mindful. And the kids and I am like you know, we've talked to the kids like, hey, if mommy and daddy are working on their phones, like call us out on it. Right. And so the boys will even say like, mom, you are not present. And I'm like, Also, it's really cute to hear Bear like finally get the PR combo. So like, oh, yeah. <laughs> OK. All right. So how can we because I'm not I mean, we got. We have several major events coming up. Um, one, a certain somebody is turning eight, a certain somebody else is turning 43. And it's not me because I'm still <laughs> holding into my 30s. But um, and then we have Thanksgiving and then Christmas and then New Year's. And I also know that there's Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and everything getting crammed in the next couple weeks. And if there's a holiday that I forgot, I apologize. But um, how do we use mindfulness to reduce this stress? Because I'm not going to lie, it's going to be eventful. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's such uh, like it's such a wonderful time of year because there's so much, you know, we, we sometimes, you know, at least for a few of the days we focus on gratitude or on love, on peace, on, you know, family. And, and, Mm -hmm. but then that can also put on some pressure sometimes. And then it's also like you mentioned at the very beginning, figuring out your schedule and when are school (laughs) open, are they not, when are we seeing kids, when are my kids going to be home, like figuring out Mm -hmm. all of those pieces. And then there's that pressure, that's always there, but this year it, it's like a little different, but that pressure of like doing it right for the holidays, you know, like nailing it really. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a, that pressure that we just, you know, we don't even realize is there sometimes. And then there's the, how am I going to finish up my work before I take a break for the holidays? And if I don't, how much am I going to do over the break? And will I be finished in time? And then things have to start again. And, mm-hmm. and so there's just that continual stress from work. So when we have that, we can use mindfulness for this. And it's some of the things that we were, we were just talking about. So we can reflect on our day and maybe do like a gratitude journal or talk it out with your family and have a moment where you think, okay, here's the things that were challenging today, but here's also a good moment from the day or something that's working. And this starts to shift your brain out of focusing on the things that aren't going to work because that's just what our brains do. And this is why stress is not our fault. Like our brains are trained to look for things that are going to be threatening and stressful to us because our brain perceives stress as a threat. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of a survival instinct that just backfires completely 
in our world right now because there's so much to be stressed about and so many things that trigger it. And so our brain is automatically going to look for that. And then once it sees something that's not going well, it's going to keep looking for more and more to protect you. But that just makes you more stressed out. So it's kind of like when you have a bad day and then you start, you know, maybe you like call your best friend and you're talking about it and there's just like 25 things or more that you can think of that went really wrong that day. And it's like on top of this, this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And it's really hard to notice if there was anything good in that mix because our brain is just looking at what went wrong. So And it's so easy. It's it is so easy to let like I can't tell you how many times, like, I can just pick up the phone and, like, call and just vent. I just need to get it off. But, like, I have to, like, conscientiously, because when when I was a kid, my dad would say, all right, if you're going to, well, the G-rated version was, if you're going to fuss, my family was Navy, like, we just, colorful vocabulary is, like, the spice of life. But um, if you're going to fuss about a situation, then with your second breath, what are you doing to resolve it? Oh, yeah. Right? Right? Yeah. Which is, I mean, when you're seven and you're just upset about a tiny problem, not, I mean, you know, life, but it made me the woman that I am today. But yeah, I have to make the conscientious switch that like, okay, if I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to call Aaron and be like, oh my God, I have this super stressful situation. This happened. Rah, 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 rah. Then I say, okay, all right, but I think I can do this, this, and this, and then switch over into like, how do I fix it? but or like who I can call to help fix it um yeah 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 and it's Uh true it helps you shift like you know and having some sort of mantra like that like or some sort of you know motto or something that just kind of triggers you to like okay yes I've got to get this out or I want to kind of talk this through but then this Uh is going to happen or you know just noticing if it's just like this was a really bad day but what can I think that also went well and how can I focus on that and do more of this or, or mm-hmm. let this be where, you know, like in our work, sometimes we focus so much on the things that we're not good at and we decide like, I am not good at this. I'm not good at this. So I'm going to focus on getting better at these. But we forget to look at the things that as an SLP, like we're really good at already. And we forget that we can do good things and that we can do even better with those things that we're already really good at doing. And we can like enhance what we're doing. And if we're getting, you know, if we have something we're really good at, we can help even more people with that. And it's not that we're ignoring these other things and saying like, well, I'm not good at, you know, I'm not good at helping people with our tick. So I'm just not going to do any of that. Like, but, oh, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes we're really, you know, sometimes we don't have to, but <laughs> Sorry, I'm like very no, totally. No, I'm like I don't want to do that though. <laughs> like, you know, but, but like, and you, and it's kind of, you know, you, you have focused on the things that you love, SLP, right? Yes, yes. And so, much, so, you know, kind of when we're able to to find that niche or just that thing that we're really good at doing, and we want to know more about, it can help you feel better about what you're doing and feel more excited about it, but then also help you, you grow and help, help more people and, and feel that connection to what you're doing, which mm-hmm. gets really lost when we get really stressed and we get really burnt out because mm-hmm. we start to feel disconnected from our work and that we're not making a difference. And that just helps that stress to grow even more. So 
one thing is to, you know, not ignore what's not working, but start to focus more on what is working. And then taking moments to just check in with yourself, like maybe when you first wake up or when you first get to work, or maybe when you're like leaving work at the end of the day before you're trying to get home. But checking in and seeing like, okay, how am I doing today? Like what percent am I at today? Where am I setting the bar for myself? Because we tend to be, like we said, we tend to be perfectionists. So we tend to (laughs) assume that we're going to be 100% every day. And then when we wake up and we're not 100%, we're like, well, how dare I? You know, how dare I not be 100% today? And so we expect ourselves to get there. But we might have a day where we're just not you know, we're not feeling good physically, mentally, whatever it might be. And and our bar is going to be 40%. So if we expect ourselves to be 100%, when we're only going to top out at 40, we're going to be disappointed and we're going to feel stressed. But if we check in and we say, realistically, here is how I am. And we give 100% of that 40%. You know what I mean? Like we are fully there where we can be, even if it's just 40% of what we can normally give, we'll feel better about it. And we'll feel like we did more and and we're able to to be what we needed to be that day. Okay. So you and I first met, oh my God, was it March? Yeah, I was think it, so. I think I think you I think it was in March for the teletherapy boot camp thing. And mm-hmm. you said something that was so profound to me. Oh. And it has literally changed how I process and assess my self-worth. Like fundamentally, you said, because I was total panic mode and I was like, but what am I going to do? My list is so long. I have all of these things to do. And you said, no, Michelle, what you phrase it, it's not your to-do list. You need to reassess it as your must-do list. Yeah. And that, I was like, oh my God. Okay. So... I reevaluated my to-do list and gave and said, yes, all of this, all of this, it's literally a spiral bound notebook is must do or is to do, but I'm going to pick out like one or two things that must be done today. And that has so greatly helped me manage my mental health and my sense of purpose and the stress going through everything because honestly I think that's what allowed me to juggle the time to finish writing like really truthfully like on on so many different levels and it just that one trick switching over from and everything has to be done to a must-do list and I know going into this season, like I will start feeling stressed about like, okay, we're going to have like the family elephant in the room game that we play. Like we're, it's like we get really inappropriate games and gifts and then wrap them and then share them. But we have to watch that because now the children are old enough to like kind of figure out what's going on. So like, but like everybody has the game where you like draw a name and you like pass the gift around. I guarantee it's not as much fun as my family's. But like, but like there's those added stress. I have that to plan. And like, you know, we all try to like outdo each other, like with like the stupidity of the gift, but like, 
And I'm going to have all of these little things that the mental fatigue of carrying that in my head, when I put it all on a piece of paper, it's incredibly overwhelming. But when I have it on one piece of paper and then I turn the paper over and on the next page, I just say, okay, today I'm going to do these two things. And then I mark it off the list and it just, thank you, Jesse, like that, like, oh my God, honey. Like I just, yeah. Air hug. Oh, Hygienic well, I'm, I'm so happy that that worked for you. Yeah. And it is. So it's like, instead of, because to-do lists really are endless and they do become just like yes. a, a book sometimes of this yes. ongoing, we have that with, we we moved to the house that we're at uh, like three and a half years ago, I think. And it, mm-hmm. it was like a total, total fixer upper. So we're still working on a lot because we have really little kids and, um, <laughs> like baby, like baby so, so it's like hard to do anything. And then now, you know, we've this, this year, they've just been here all the time with us. And so it's really hard to do. So yeah, like we make a to-do list and then we feel really overwhelmed. But if we think about a must-do list, it helps. So like with the must-do, like if you look at your week, you pick like, you know, like the one big thing you want to do and, or the maybe two things, if you're like, okay, I know I can do two things, but then you pick the the little things each day that can help instead of saying, I'm going to do 50 things this week. And then when they don't get done, you know that that wasn't realistic, but you still feel really like upset with yourself for not doing it. And then that adds to the stress. And then your brain's like, Hey, we're stressed. Let's start noticing all the things we're doing wrong. And then you just get stuck in this mode again. So Yes. Yes. That's what it did. It was, it was the breaking the action item down into digestible action items. Okay. Also while we were talking, I was on Etsy and they have the most beautiful gratitude journals when you're talking about like writing things down. And I like to color. Um, (laughs) my husband got me a great coloring book a couple years ago. Um, yes. Um, but they have a gratitude, a grounded in gratitude journal and some of them even have like coloring pages and I think I might need to add that to my list so yeah that's yeah. your must do yes. for today uh-huh. <laughs> order this journal <laughs> order another coloring book oh my god you are not helping my Etsy situation here friend <laughs> oh yes okay all right so what other what other ways do you recommend that we add mindfulness yeah. and to help reduce the stress? So one thing that I think is really key whether you are going to use this on your break like when you're kind of working through like when you have parties and when you have things you're planning and then you have time that you want to be present with your family or if it's something you're going to use just going into kind of this hectic season where with work and then holidays and all of this. So one thing to do is to have um, like to infuse your day with self-care or with mindfulness by creating little pockets throughout your schedule. So if you think about like your work day, having a moment at the beginning of your work day where you're not just like, especially if you work in teletherapy or you're working from home, where you're not just like, okay, work starts at, you know, first session is at eight o'clock. I'm going to walk into my office at 7.55 because I don't have a commute. It gives you time to log in, but it doesn't give you time to like 
breathe and to, to, you know, settle in. So giving yourself little buffers, which I know is so common sense and we all think that we're doing it, but a lot of the time we're not actually doing it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. having that buffer, and it could be that you're using it to like actually gather materials that you need or, or, you know, physically getting things ready, but it could just be having, you know, like, time to to sit there for a moment and sip your coffee before you actually log in or you know having a moment for yourself so kind of almost creating like a little morning routine and then doing the same thing at the end of your day before you you know just say like I'm at home I'm logging out I'm so stressed I want to be done with this I'm just going to walk out the door and then I'm at home or you know if you're driving you know and you have a commute of some kind giving yourself that moment either during your commute to use it or before you walk in the door to your house, but giving yourself a moment to kind of unwind from the day, like, you know, gather things you might need for the next day, but giving yourself also some kind of like a transition where you're, you're going to let your brain know that work is done. Because if we just log out and then walk immediately out into our house and we're like, oh my gosh, finally my day is done. Like I can be out here and I can be with my family. You'll physically be there, but mentally you'll probably still be thinking about all of the things that you need to do tomorrow or, oh my gosh, I didn't prep for this and I should have gotten these things and oh, who am I even seeing tomorrow and what does my day look like? And so you'll be with your home life or be doing those things that you wanted to be able to get out and do, but you won't be present. Like, like we were talking about when, when your sons are like, you know, mom, you're not present, you're on your phone, Mm -hmm. Um, that, you know, even though you're there with them, you're not experiencing it. And so it makes it where you just feel like you're juggling things and mentally you're exhausted from it and you get more drained and more stressed. So, you know, having something that's like a little routine that lets your brain know, hey, work is done for the day. Like maybe if you're on your way home, you listen to like your favorite podcast or music or audio book if you have a commute and if you're not having a commute, maybe you, before you leave your office, you know, if you have an office space, you like, you know, like if you want to meditate, you could meditate or you could sit and do some stretches or a workout or go outside and take a walk if the weather's nice where you are, but having something that you do that just gives you that little buffer, it could be five minutes. It could be, you know, however long you want it to be, but having that little buffer at the end of your day that just lets you know, like, okay, I'm shifting into being out and finished with my work, but I'm not just going to jump into it because I need that moment to, to settle back in. Um, That, that, that helps. I have an hour and 15 minute long commute. And yeah, I, I do three days a week. Well, which Honestly, after like doing, I do home health all day Thursday. I travel back and forth to university three days a week. And then Tuesdays, I only see one patient for home health, right? So like I'm an hour and 15 minute one way really doesn't feel like that much when you're used to traveling 30 to 45 minutes. It's basically two conversations. I can get finish the work. You know how there's like work and then there's like the after work, like calling the physicians and doing those things. Siri is my new best friend because I'm like, Hey Siri, we, I don't want to turn her on. Oh no, no. It's okay. Thank you. Shh. <laughs> I turn Siri on, but like I turn her on and then, you know, we, we call up the doctors and we do all the things, but like that, that 
helps me finish work. So by time I'm home, um, it, it's, I am more present, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can Mm -hmm. help. And, and then not having that commute, you know, with, like with teletherapy, and I know a lot of people are are working from home or, or, or like schools are kind of back and forth with things. Um, it's really wonderful because, you know, it's kind of one of the the benefits that we talk about is that there is no commute. So if you don't like being stuck in traffic, you can be at home. But it does get, you know, I worked in teletherapy for like four years before all of this hit. And so it really is easy to just think like, you know, all right, I start in like 10 minutes, I'm just gonna, you know, I can take my dog out, I can make a cup of coffee, I can do all this. And then you're like, and then I, you know, you race in to log in right on time. And then you end your day the same way. Like, all right, I can see people until four, and then I'm just at home. So I'm already here, I don't have to be anywhere. But it, it takes away those moments that can sometimes give you room to breathe, and can give you room to decompress from your day. So having some sort of buffer can really, really help. I'm I'm just thinking what will I like the, the buffer. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I have to physically, I make it a point to take my earbuds out of my ear. And when I walk through the front gate, that's my buffer. And when it was all teletherapy, my buffer was coming up the stairs. Like I had to breathe deep on the stairwell when I came up the stairs. Well, I don't yeah. know, not, not, not me necessarily too deep because sometimes like little boys, they smell bad sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, we, we're, we're going to get our buffer times in. We're going to, we're going to manage all of this, but I'm thinking about like some schools aren't coming back after Thanksgiving break. So some, some, yes, yeah, some schools will. But I also know that some school districts are canceling school early so that um, they're not back for like two or three weeks to then turn around and go out for like the from between Thanksgiving and Christmas holiday and then coming back in January. And I understand that they're doing that so that individuals can go and see their families and then they can self-quarantine again if necessary without missing a lot of school. But like somehow in my head, that's going to make it even harder to come back in January you know what I mean oh because yeah you're gonna have been out for like six weeks eight weeks and then you're gonna have to roll right back all into yeah it. it's so, like a summer break again yes I don't I mean South Carolina talks about going to the year-round school I've heard them say that I'm like oof but I don't know about that <laughs> so like as it's basically been like a year off from school this year <laughs> so like how can we use mindfulness to help reduce the stress at the end of the break, like when we do have to go back to work? Yeah. So that is definitely a big thing that happens is stress when we are heading back into work, right? Like whether it's from a summer break or it's from just like a long weekend even, or it's this, you know, strange winter season break that we're having this year, (laughs) whatever, however many there are or however long the one is. But, you know, it's, it's really exciting to sometimes be able to take that break, but a couple things can happen over the break. So one thing that we tend to do is when we're stressed, like 
when we're stressed, our like mindset and our energy is like this, I got to do more. I've got to push. And if I just do one more thing, then everything will be okay. And yes, then, that's literally you know, how I feel. But then you do the one more thing and you're like, okay, one more thing and then I'll be okay. And we keep ah. like. <laughs> and then you know? I'm at work until six or seven o'clock yeah. at night. Yes. And yes. so, and then it just makes you more stressed. So, but it's mm-hmm. like, it's almost like hyper, like we're like, okay, yes, yes, we can do more. We can do more, but it's totally frazzled and scattered. And that's why we call the next, you know, the next thing that happens is burnout because you're like, you can only have that energy burning in you for so long before it just like, and you burn out. Um, but so with that, when you're on a break, a lot of times what happens is if you're in that energy, you're like, cool, I have a break. I don't have to work, but I can get a few things done over break that'll get me ahead and help me feel better when I head back into work. And then you end up spending your break working. And sometimes it's nice because like if you're really creative and you're taking this time to work on creative projects that you weren't able to do before because you were doing you know, therapy all the time but you had some creative things you wanted to do and they're kind of more like, you know, a, a passion project. It can be fun to do, but you're still not truly getting that break from work because it is still work related. But then sometimes we just do our paperwork over our breaks and we save it all because we're like, all right, if I can just get this done, I'll be, you know, I'll be more set when I, when I go back to work, but we're not actually getting the break that our brains and our bodies need. But then on the flip side, when you're in burnout, you're like detached and disconnected and kind of just like, you know, you show up to work because you have to and you do a good job because you have to, but you're not really like invested in it. Like you're not there really. Mm -hmm. And so when you're in that, you kind of use your break almost to like ignore and pretend that you have a different, you know, life and job. And and it's like, SLP, what's that? I don't know. I'm just here on on break. (laughs) Like I don't have a job. I'm off for the day. So we ignore the work until we have to go back and then you you did that could be really upsetting when you've kind of been not doing anything not preparing for anything not you know even facing the fact that like you have a job that's really stressful and and that that aspect of life can be really hard so when you actually do have to face it again it's really really difficult so we tend to be in, in kind of those two where we're either working our whole break and not taking a break we need, or we're ignoring and pretending that we don't have a job. And then when we go back to it, it's really stressful. But either way, it leads to like, you know, the day or the weekend before you head back, like you just feel this like growing sense of dread and like the the kind of like um, Sunday blues that, that people talk about sometimes where like- My husband used to have that. Yeah. Like, like he doesn't in his, like he started a new job in January and he doesn't have it like he used to, but like, oh, oh my good. God. But like four o'clock on a Sunday, it was like this cloud came over mm-hmm. his face. And yeah, but I mean, like super glad that he doesn't have that anymore, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Where it's like, everything's good. And then when you realize like, oh, it's time to start getting ready, then things just start to like, you, you start to feel really bad and you either start to feel like you know, blue about it, or you can feel panicked about it. It just, however, you, you know, your brain and body kind of interpret what you're feeling. And so that can happen when we're on a break. And if it's, you know, if you're facing an extended break, it might extend what you're feeling. And so you kind of have to see, like, is it going to be helpful to have a must-do list and to plan one thing that you're going to work on over break? Um, 
Or is it really helpful for you to take that time to, you know, where you can, if you're feeling burnt out and you're kind of like ignoring and, and pretending like you, you never have to go back to work, would it be good to maybe do some, you know, really deep self-care and mindfulness, like maybe sitting and, and doing some journaling practices about what's not going, you know, that, that what's not working, but what is working and how can I make this be, you know, have more of this show up when I head back in January or what changes can I make in my day that are going to help me more? Am I not having a transition? Do I want to have a morning routine? So I start my day off a little bit less rushed or do I need an evening routine to help me wind down and, and, and sleep better. So I feel better the next day you know, kind of maybe taking time to look at those things. And it's hard during the holiday season because even if we're not working, things are usually pretty packed with maybe, you know, whether it's this year going to see families or, you know, having like Zoom holiday parties or, you know, just feeling kind of, you know, if you're not able to, to meet with your family this year, that might be a whole different feeling that you're feeling. Um, and so, being mindful of that on top of it and trying to, you know, just carve out some time to take care of you. And that is really what like stress management is, is taking care of yourself. It's taking care of you because like you are important, even though there are other people in our lives, whether it's our families, or our patients, our clients, our students that are also important and that we give everything to, like we as SLPs have to remember like, we are people too, and we are important. And so we have to take care of ourselves. And that's really, you know, on a holiday, it can be really hard to do, but it's still so important to do. And you'll feel that much better when you do head back into work in January. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just thinking of all of the self-care things that we inevitably, okay, we're healers, right? Like that's our job. We help people heal regardless of what size human they are. But that's, that's key. And so my, my friend, Paul, he talked about therapeutic presence and he's mentored me in therapeutic presence. Paul is the biggest OT I've ever met in my life. And he's not big. He's just like muscly and tall, right? Mm -hmm. He walks in. And he is like the BFG, like the big friendly giant. Like that's how I describe him to families because like he's the early intervention OT. It's going to take your breath away when the giant buff or the, t- the tall buff mm-hmm. guy walks into like, you know, he can palm an infant, right? Like hold him like a basketball. And, um, but his therapeutic presence is that of the big friendly giant. He's calming and he's centered and he sings the best rendition of row 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 your boat I've ever heard and I would fight somebody for that like it's great right and um totally off key and out of tune but like it's great um but when we are burnt and run ragged our therapeutic presence is skewed Mm mm-hmm and like, I'm okay. Like I know people believe in empath or not being empaths, but I am. And I will carry the burdens that I have and it will impede my ability to fully present my therapeutic presence. And if I can't help the tiny human heal because I am not addressing what I need to address, then we have a problem. In the middle of the chaos, we have to manage yeah. And a lot time for self-care. And it's more than wine and bubble baths. 
yes. granite. Those those are great. And I love wine and bubble baths. Oh, I need to get some bath bombs. That would make for good stuffers. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, note to self, add that to the must-do list. Da, da, da. But um, <laughs> see, I also think SLPs have ADD, or at least I do. Um, oh, yeah, for but, sure. Yeah. <laughs> we, but, it's I mean, another one of those. Yes. It's, but like for me, true self-care comes from exercise, whether it's simply getting outside and and doing a couple laps around um one one of my girlfriends hillary she always posts pictures of her on her nature trail hikes on saturday and sunday and i love it i love seeing the pictures of the trees because i mean if it's raining here and i i mean she lives a couple hours away then it's i'm like ah the sun is shining somewhere else um (laughs) Although I'm not going to want to go on a nature hike in the snow. I'm out for that. <laughs> oh, that's like my favorite time to go. <laughs> no, it's cold. It's wet. Everything gets soggy. And then you come inside and every, I mean, it's like you can't get the chill out of your bones. And No, I am too Southern for that. <laughs> Everything is wrong. Give me a good old fashioned hurricane. I know what to do with that. A blizzard? Nope. <laughs> it's so true though but that is like like in in my programs the the main things that we talk about for self-care are like the like the deeper ones and it's meditation and you can kind of take that you know there's so many different ways and I know a lot of people hear meditation and they're like because it's like you think of it as being this like you know the yogi on a mountaintop type of situation, but you know, meditation can just be like taking some time to, to sit, you know, in your favorite chair or like, you know, lay on the floor and just like breathe for 10 breaths. Um, it can be as like involved as you want it to be, but it, it helps your brain. It helps you breathe deeper, which then lets your body know, Hey, I'm okay. And then even if you know, things are not great, it, it almost like tricks you into thinking for a moment, like things are okay. And then when you kind of do that, it can help you to then feel okay and to be able to problem solve. And it helps your brain, you know, to, to rewire the stress response that it has. So you're not as triggered by things that are stressful and you're able to like work through them more. But then it also just gives you a moment, like a little break in your day that you can be alone and you can just say, I'm going to focus on this one thing. I'm just going to focus on sitting and breathing and nothing else for five minutes. Um, And then the other thing is movement. Like, like you said, like getting up and moving is such a powerful thing to do Mm -hmm. and getting outside and connecting to nature can just like take it over the top. You know, it's just, it's, it's such a great thing, but even just stretching a little bit, like in between your sessions or, you know, when you're leaving someone's house right before you get into your car or whatever it might be. And then the other thing is journaling, like gratitude or if you've had a really stressful moment that keeps spiraling and replaying just like writing it down so you can take a new perspective and know that it's there if you ever need to look at it but it doesn't have to stay in your head and then wine and bubble baths are great (laughs) but they're like they're like they're not true self-care they're like a little moment that's nice and you're doing something good for yourself you know especially bubble bath I'm just not like a bubble bath person. I never have been, but I know when you are a bubble bath person, you are like, it's a thing. Yeah. Well, it's it's a thing. And when we bought this house, I didn't think about that. I was like, oh, it has a tub. I didn't think, 
I'm going to have children. They're going to be gross. And I'm going to have one bubble bathtub for the entire, I mean, we have like showers, right? But not like a tub. And Mm -hmm. so now the one bubble bathtub is like, there's, it's tiny boy heaven. And there's like the, we have engineering cogs so they can like pour the water and like it turns the cogs and goes through the pipes and do all the things. But like, there I am in the bubble bath with the doors locked, (laughs) surrounded by um, Eric Carl's, um, the caterpillar, the very hungry caterpillar motif maps and cogs with my glass of wine. I mean, normally absolutely. I'm off reading Harry Potter, but like case a rock. No, absolutely. We have the same, we have like our bathroom that would have the, the tub we're renovating. And so it's not, mm-hmm. and, and that won't be finished, you know, for years, but <laughs> we have a tub in our garage. It's been there for a year. We have it in there that's not one you can use right it's in a box it's not in and so yeah ours is our our kids bathroom is like where if we were going to take a bubble bath that's where it would be um and it's yeah it's interesting (laughs) it is it's not quite the same the same zen that you would but if if you could do it and that's what you love you know you do it um but yeah but things that help you check in like take a moment for yourself check in and see how you are and be able to like process more and like having a glass of wine can can you know if you're taking that and you're taking time to like write in your journal have a glass of wine that can be great sometimes with wine or like netflix those things we like go into binge motel like you know mentality with it and we're Mm -hmm. like you know i need this because my day was so hard and you know with wine that has its own problems that can come up from mm-hmm. that but even with like netflix we do that right or like hulu you know whatever streaming service we're like i have had such a hard day i'm just gonna watch all the shows and that's like our self-care but that's that's like a totally different that's checking out for the day that's like checking yeah, out that's- ignoring what's going on not going to deal with stress and that just lets the stress build behind you so that when you do come yes. back to it it's like oh gosh there's so much now yeah yeah no you you said something um, about the movement, about how profound the movement is. Mm-hmm. I did three months of bed rest with Theodore. Oh, three months, fourteen times I had labor stopped, fourteen times, and and it was that like the stress was unreal, right? And all I could do was just lay in order to grow a baby. Oh. And so I got up and down to do a little bit of stretching. Um, when my contractions weren't heavy, just so that, I mean, circulation, we were worried about DVTs, like, you know, like the whole nine yards. I actually found the picture. It popped up on Time Hop and I just texted it to you. Mm-hmm. And dog was showing me the proper position for downward facing dog. But Aww. like those, those moments Aww. of also excuse the total pregnant chick haircut. Cause I was like done, just cut it all off. But like, um, <laughs> but like those, I, relished in those move moments when I could physically move my body because I couldn't move my body. Right. Yeah. And, and something about doing teletherapy and sitting at a desk for so long, you don't realize how much that movement is critical. And, and we have become more sedentary because mm-hmm. of the pandemic and, um, it's just, it's very, um, yeah, yeah. It's movement is key. It is. It is. When I, you know, when I took my break from being an SLP, it was for almost five years and I taught yoga and like mind body fitness classes 
like 10 or more classes a week for a long time. And then I, when I stopped, it was because I had a baby and the studio was closing and it was just kind of like a whole, maybe I'll try something else. And I decided to come back and be an SLP part time. And it was in teletherapy. And so I went from, Mm -hmm. you know, moving, moving my body a lot to having a baby and, and I had a C-section. So for me, I didn't move much after that. It just, it didn't feel good for me. And that was, you know, kind of hard, but then working in teletherapy, I was excited to work and I love the work, but I did not realize how, and I wasn't working very, I was working like 10 hours a week. I did not realize how much I would be sitting and how, Mm -hmm. and how, you know, how much that would start to affect. And it definitely affected my, my mental well-being and physical well-being just mm-hmm. so much. And, you know, I really had to be careful making my schedule and, and saying what hours I could work and how many students I could take on in the next school year because I wanted to make sure I still had time to move and to get up. And, and even if it was just to like, you know, walk downstairs and fill up my water bottle and then walk back upstairs, like just having, or like go outside and breathe for a few minutes and then come back inside. Um, it's really important and it, it can totally, you know, your brain needs it, your body needs it. It reduces the tension that we get from sitting. And then when we feel tense, tense, like in our muscles, we feel tense in our brain. When we feel tense in our brain, we feel tense in our muscles and they just keep going back and forth. And then we're just like, cycle. Yeah. And then we're like a big ball of stress and we're like, oh, ow, everything hurts and I don't feel good. And I'm just like so stressed out and movement is just like so wonderful. And it's something like you can feel and you can do like with journaling. It's awesome. But sometimes, you know, I've had someone say like, I'm so overwhelmed with paperwork. The last thing I want to do is look at more paper. <laughs> it's like, you know what? I hear you. That's okay. That's why it, I like the coloring. Yeah. <laughs> the coloring <right>? journal. <laughs> and then with, with meditation, it can sometimes, you know, you're, you're never sure if you're doing it right. That's, you know, and, and the thing is like, you can never really do it wrong, but it's not something that we can like feel as much. So when you're starting out with mindfulness and you're starting out with like managing stress, sometimes movement is just the the place that you know, like it's somewhat familiar. I know I can do something and I can feel that I feel better. I can feel my body moving and that it's helping, you know, me breathe more or thoughts are starting to flow more, or I just feel good when I'm not, you know, my back feels better when I'm moving or my neck feels less tense. So it's a really good place to start. Yes. <sighs> okay. So bottom line, get up, wiggle your bum, even in the stretchy pants with the 15 pounds from the carb diet, because mm-hmm. we're all going to do that this pandemic holiday season. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping I don't gain 15 pounds, but like, I'm not going to lie. I've been taking Pinterest videos of like vegetarian turkey or not vegetarian turkey, vegetarian stuffing for like the last couple weeks. So like it's happening. Okay. If, all right, I've, I've got to switch this over to questions and oh my God, I have so much fun talking to you. I have missed you. Okay. Um, if someone wants to learn more from you, where can they find you? They can find me at jessieandrix.com. And they there's um, 
podcast episodes there. There's You can find the SLP Stress Management course there. And you can also find the SLP Toolbox, which is like a free resource library of meditation um, audios and like movement audio. So you can like listen to me giving you a little, I'm not going to say workout because we think of it more mindful than that, but, you know, working you through a little movement practice um, or some templates to, you know, for gratitude or self-care checklists. So you can find all of that at jessieandrix.com. And again, there is the SLP stress management course there as well that we talked about at the very beginning. And then you can also find me on Instagram at jessieandrix. I love the gratitude workbooks because my husband was my husband's company was doing a Brene Brown leadership training for all the management. And he told me he was like, baby, he was like, we do this every day. Every morning we wake up and we say as a family what we're grateful for with breakfast or like when we're driving the kids into school. And he was like, she was sharing in one of her books how the most positive people have the most grateful hearts because they choose that. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was beautiful. So in the middle of all of this, stuffing, stretchy pants, the whole nine yards, if you want to address the stress, choose gratitude. So, okay, hold on. Let me switch over to questions really quick, okay? Mm -hmm. 